tonight the preaching of the word of the lord i thank you even now for your holy spirit moving upon every one of us to give us good soul of hearts and minds and lives to be ready and open to receive what you have i thank you for your word going out as living seeds in a good soil watered by the holy spirit take root grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till jesus comes and anything that would try to hinder this word is bound it leaves in jesus name but i thank you lord for your holy spirit just breathing life into it the winds of the Spirit will carry this where it's supposed to go. And as the Bible says, your word will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do. So we thank you for hearing and answering the prayers over these sermons, over this time tonight. We believe for a powerful time in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to go through the word tonight, and then I'm going to pray with people. And then after that, if, if people want to, we have water immersion available, okay? As we get into this sermon tonight, this is going to be a little bit, a little bit different maybe than some have heard, but those that have been around here very long, I believe it'll be a refresher. But how many want to go deeper in Christ? So that's the thing. And one of the areas that we can go deeper is when we let the Lord really cleanse our lives in a fresh way. Amen? Many times we, we can pick up things and, and as we live our lives and go through this world and we're around so much the environments that we're in and, and things we come in contact with, many times we can just kind of be, come up with some uh, issues of being oppressed or, or uh, just defiled in some ways. And it's not even our fault, but it's just living in this world that we live in. And so I personally believe that it is important as a church that we have times of prayer and fasting like we're doing, like we did this week, and then we come together to consecrate our lives in a fresh way. So here's how I want to open this up. This is what I felt the Lord gave me as I went out this week and sought the Lord and spent some special time in prayer. Ezekiel 8, verse 7. This is the first thing I want to talk about. Ezekiel was a powerful prophet, and as God began to show him something, he said this. He said, Then he brought me to the entrance of the courtyard, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Now he's talking about the temple. How many have seen pictures of the old temple back in the day, okay? The temple, and it, there was a hole in the wall. And he said to me, this is the Lord speaking to Ezekiel, son of man, I want you to dig through the wall. And so I dug through the wall and behold an entrance. And then he said to me, go in. Where is he going in? The temple. Right, the temple. So he said, I want you to go in and I want you to see the wicked abominations that they're committing in here. Where? In the temple. And so I entered and I looked and behold every form of crawling things, animals, detestable things with all the idols of the house of Israel were carved in the wall all around. So even though this was God's house, there were things in God's house where God's presence dwelled that did not please the Lord, but yet it took, it took the Lord revealing this to Ezekiel. God had to show him. How many knows that sometimes we can be going along and we think everything is a certain way until God begins to shine his light and show us that not everything is necessarily the way it needs to be in our lives. Sometimes we have to ask the Lord, 
What's holding me back? Help me see things that I have not been able to see before. And God is faithful to begin to open that up to us by revelation. In fact, the Bible says, if we ask of wisdom, he will give it to us liberally without finding fault. But you have to believe. So we ask the Lord, is there anything in our lives that's not right with you, that's hindering us, that's holding us back? Show it to us and then have faith that he will. He may not show you that exact moment, but revelation will come. And how we need that. There's a phrase in revival that says, push into us, Lord, and pry out what needs to go. Evan Roberts used to pray in the uh, revival that took place in Wales. There was a man before him. He heard him say it. And Seth Joshua was a powerful evangelist. But Evan Roberts picked this up from him. He said, bend us, O Lord. And it's talking about that God would, would do a deep work in us and not leave us like we are. That needs to be the heart cry of every true believer. God, don't leave us where we are. We're supposed to be going from glory to glory. There's, there's, there's things many times we don't see. But nonetheless, it's still there in our lives, and we need God to help us see it, to dig it out. So as we go River of Life, we're about to go deeper in the glory. We're about to go deeper at this conference than we've been before. And I believe this is a great preparation right now. But I want to show you some things. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. Where? the holy of holies but it's by the blood it says by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh so the veil that was ripped is connected to jesus's flesh and that's why i believe there's something really powerful when we remember the lord's flesh as we take communion the bread of presence and we reverence the blood of the lamb there's something about going into the glory and then in verse 21, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. You know what the sprinkling is? The blood. I don't want to get in a rabbit trail with this, but even the, the red heifer ritual that was done, the ashes put in water, the water was used with hyssop to sprinkle on those that had been defiled by the dead so that they could come into the temple. And it's saying here, and just also the blood that was caught from the various offerings and would be sprinkled with the finger of the priest, there is a sprinkling of the blood. And it's saying here that our hearts are cleansed. And then it says, and our bodies washed with pure water. In 2 Timothy 2.20, now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, how many have got some fine china or some type of nice dishes that you break out on special occasions? But you don't really cook or heat up mac and cheese on it, right? You don't use it to, to heat up your pizza the next day. You save it for special occasions. And that's what this is saying. And Paul would have understood also in a Jewish home that there were certain vessels that were used at Passover and only at that time. You know what I'm talking about. So he's saying there's these gold, silver vessels but also there are vessels of wood and earthenware like pottery, some to honor the gold and silver and others to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. 
How many want to be a sanctified vessel? Is all of us in here tonight, we're, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're God's vessel if you're a true Christian. But as a Christian, we can really do a deep cleansing and let God show us everything, things that we don't see, things that we may not even really want to see. But we can ask the Lord to push in and cleanse us and do this deep cleansing. And as he does that, we can become a vessel of honor that he can use. But if we don't do that, then we can remain a vessel of like earthenware. So it goes on to say this in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, they shall be filled. So a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, righteousness is right living before God. So the heart is, is that, Lord, if there's anything in my life that doesn't please you, if there's anything that's not right before you, I don't want that in my life. I want you to cleanse me. I want you to show me it. Don't pass me by. Don't let me remain like I am. Push in. I remember there was a, a lady one time years ago that had been kind of a difficult person, and I prayed this in, in deep love. I said, Lord, please take that lady by the back of the head and turn her head put a mirror in front of her and force her to see herself the way you see her. You know, she started changing after that. God needs to show us things that we don't want to see. Many times people are always blame shifting or whatever. It's always somebody else's fault. Look, Lord, do a work in me. Whatever needs to be done, push in and pry it out of me. And as priest... I think many times this, this is not fully understood by much of the church because it's not taught, unfortunately. 1 Peter 2, 5, you as living stones being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But how many knows that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit individually? But collectively, we're, we're supposed to be like living stones that come together and build what? A dwelling place for God. And as priest unto God, many times I talk about the priesthood and people's minds always think of something like a Catholic priest because that's all they're familiar with. This is, you need to look up the Aaronic priesthood under Moses. But the, the priest under Moses would come in and they'd have these five major offerings and one of them was the burnt offering. And this was where the animal was skinned, cut into five pieces. The entire thing was burned on the altar. And we can say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be, this is what Paul's referring to in Romans 12. Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. How many want to be a living sacrifice? I would say, Lord, I lay my life down on the altar. Let your fire come and burn out of me every trace of sin. Anything that's not of you, don't stop until it's purged. And the skin was removed from that, meaning that the flesh needs to be removed. That's the only offering I'm going to talk about, but there's others, not only sin, but there's other offerings that have to do with things like a peace offering, the fellowship, or grain offering with our service. But the priesthood was to bring the offerings unto God. And the word offering implies korban, which means to draw near to God. And God's wanting us. I think much of the problem is, is that many people are too passive about things. God's wanting us to pursue him. 
That's part of the problem many times. People want to just come to church when they feel like it and think that they can ride the pastor's walk with God. Let me tell you in love that that's just simply not going to work. Amen? God's expecting us to pursue him at home. First and foremost, Lord, clean me up. Make me a vessel of honor. But secondly, I want to spend time with you. I want to know you. And I believe these times as we come together like we did and we've been praying and people have been fasting, they've been asking God to purge them and, and God's doing a deep work and we come together. It's as though we're living stones being brought together, building here in this place tonight a tabernacle, a temple for God's glory to come and dwell among us and that we can offer up offerings unto him that are pleasing to him because what was established under Moses is now fulfilled in Christ is that now as a burnt offering, we are to be that burnt offering. We're to be that living sacrifice. And that even in this place that the peace offering that we worship and we, we praise and we begin to pray and seek him, that's the fellowship offering. And then we go out of here to do what he's called us to do. That's the grain offering. We're to offer up these spiritual sacrifices. And let me tell you too, I really believe that as we do what we've been doing, we really consecrate our lives unto God individually and corporately. I believe that as we do that, and we have these special times of prayer like we've done, that it helps to purge the gates. Because the Bible is clear. I'm just going to say this in passing. Jesus in John 1.51, he said, um, Verily, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He talked about an open heaven. Many times the heavens are brass over regions because of the princes and powers and wickedness in heavenly realms. And there's not enough people really praying. And because people are not really going after God in prayer and fasting and, and, and having powerful church services, it's, it's oppressed. But you can come together as we consecrate our lives and we make God's house a house of prayer like we're doing. You know what it does? It pokes a hole in the sky and it purges the heavens above us. And I believe that these special times like what we're doing right now and then leading into the conference as we come together, I believe it helps to keep the heavens open and it's like purging the gates, if you will, and keeping them open over the church. And we see this in scripture that God uses these three things. And so I want to read this and explain it. In Leviticus 8 through 10, I don't have time to read all of it, but you can study it. I want you to consider how Aaron and his sons were consecrated to serve as God's priest in the place where his awesome presence dwelled. Number one, they were immersed in water. And their hands and feet were washed. They were arrayed in holy garments and they were anointed with holy oil. And they had to have the blood applied to their lives. Next, they laid hands on the head of the sin offering and the burnt offering. The blood of these animals was applied to the altar. I could go on and on, but just to sum it up, the blood was then applied to the right earlobe, which represents your thought life. It was applied to the right thumb, which represents the works of your hands, and on the right big toe, which represents your walk before God. And the blood of the sacrifice was then mixed with the anointing oil, and it was sprinkled on their garments. The flesh of this ram was then waved as a wave offering for the Lord and burned on the altar. The priest ate of the meat of the ram of ordination and the unleavened bread before the altar, and they had to remain there in, that, in the presence of God for seven full days. 
You know what was happening? God was deeply consecrating them. And this is a pattern that's now fulfilled in Christ. And I'm going to get into it in a moment. But you see here, you see the blood, you see the water, you see the oil. Same pattern. And we have the garments. And again, I can't rabbit you on this long. But as priest unto God, we have the white garments that Aaron and them wore. We have now, what is it? The robe of righteousness and garments of salvation. That's in our new birth in Christ. It's like if you look at Aaron's garments, you can see there was a turban over the head. There was the robe of righteousness. And there was this like pajama bottoms underneath it called the breeches. That's the garments of salvation. And that's what we have. We're washed. In fact, you read Revelation. It talks about God's people washed in, in, in wearing white, you see. And then it says that they, they had to have the blood applied. They had to be water immersed. And they had to be anointed with oil. And none of these things, even though religious traditions, how many knows that when something's powerful and the devil knows it, you know how he's going to attack it the most? He's going to use religious demons. And so he's going to get religious spirits to infiltrate churches and denominations and begin to make all these man-made rules that are not in the Bible. And then it's going to put all these fences up around things that God didn't put there. And it's going to stop people from being able to benefit from those things. And it works a lot. In fact, it's working all over America today. Let me give you an example. The Bible says take communion as often as you will. So what, are we going to add to that now? You can only take it at church. You can only take it when a, pr a minister gives it to you. You see what I'm saying? But people make man-made rules all the time about everything. And you know what it is? It's the demonic realm trying to take communion from you. They keep it from you. And so I'm going to give you three things today. And I want you to think about this because none of these are a once-in-a-lifetime ordeal. And uh, how many knows that we are all priests unto God right now? Okay, so keep that in mind. So 1 John 5, 7, for these three testify the spirit, that's the oil, the water, and the blood. And these three are in agreement, okay? So the blood, the oil, the water, what does that sound like? It sounds like the pattern God gave to consecrate the priesthood. To consecrate them as the priesthood was what? so that they could go from the outer court into the holy place, burn incense, and be near the presence of God. Where the sons of Levi, the Levites couldn't, but the sons of Aaron could. But now we're priests unto God. And the veil has been ripped, and God's wanting us to come into the deep place of his presence. I think many times what is hindering and holding people back might be that there's things in their lives that have defiled them, and they don't realize it. And God's wanting to clean them up. So the first thing, and I can only say this in passing because I could teach a whole series on the communion table, but the power of the communion table and applying the blood of Jesus to our lives. I personally take communion daily. My wife does. We have for years, and I believe that that's really helped us spiritually. But I'm just going to say some things in passing. Number one, the Bible says that there was one lamb per the entire household. So the entire household under Moses, now remember 1 Corinthians 5, the blood of our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. So Jesus has fulfilled this. He's our Passover lamb. But there was one lamb that affected the entire family. Isn't that powerful? And everybody that was in that house under the blood was protected by the blood. It's powerful. 
So I want you to think about that God is interested in the salvation of your children and your grandchildren. Amen? And so there was a story, I've told this many times, but a lady had a son that was estranged from her, and he had gotten in rebellion. In fact, he was messing around with the occult. If I remember right, I believe she said drug abuse. He was with the wrong crowd, and he was estranged from her, so she didn't know how he was doing, but she prayed for him every day. And one day, the Lord spoke to her in prayer and said that phrase. He said, there's one lamb per household, and she understood he was saying to take communion and claim her son's salvation by the blood of the lamb. And so vicariously on his behalf, she took communion on behalf of herself and her son, and she commanded the enemy to release her son. And did you know that she hadn't heard from him? I don't remember if it was years or however long it was, but he called her after that crying, and he began to get his life right with God. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Amen? Don't you think about stories about God honoring his blood covenant? Think about Lot and his family. Whenever Abraham was praying, God remembered Abraham, and he sent angels to get Lot and his family out of Sodom. Think about Noah. God remembered Noah and made sure that his kids came too on the ark. You see what I'm saying? God's interested in your children and your grandchildren to a degree. I mean, I know salvation is personal. It is. You cannot get into heaven on somebody else's coattail. But I do believe there's almost like a household type of salvation experience that, that people can really pray with faith. Satan, you're not going to have my children. And if you read 1 Corinthians 7, it says that the unbelieving spouse is sanctified by the believing and her children are made holy. Do you see what I'm saying? God honors your walk with God that will affect your children and grandchildren until they get to a place where they can get things right with him on a personal level and work it out. But we need to be intercessors for our family. Does this make sense tonight? All right. And also a few more things about the power of the blood. Job 1.9, I say this all the time, but Job, whenever his family would have a period of feasting and, and partying and all that, he would go before God. It, back in those days, this was before Moses, his ancient times. Job had an altar he had built of stone, and he would offer up offerings on that thing periodically as worship to God. And also, he would shed blood of an animal, and he would believe for the, for the sins of his family to be cleansed. He was like a priest. He was an intercessor for his family. Is this making sense tonight? And God spoke to Satan and said this, If you consider Job, and Job said to God, I'm sorry, Satan said to God, have you not put a hedge of protection around him, his family, and everything they have? So if, think about this, if the blood of an animal put a hedge of protection around Job and his entire family to where Satan could not touch them, how much more powerful is the blood of Jesus Christ today? If the blood of a, of a lamb could sanctify a home and seal it off so that death and destruction had to pass over in Egypt, how much more powerful is the blood of Jesus today? These are patterns. There are types and shadows of now what's fulfilled in Christ. So as we take communion, there can be a hedge of protection about us, our families, and all that we own. And also strength for battle. Isn't it interesting that David's men, his mighty men and all that were with him, went to Nob. It was a, a city. And he was there in the priest. David was like, our men are, are hungry. And he said, all that we have is the consecrated bread. He said, have your men kept themselves pure? He said, we have. He said, well, you can have it. They ate the consecrated bread, which was unleavened bread, basically like what we did tonight. 
and they gave them strength for the battle. I believe the communion table, spiritually speaking, helps to give us strength spiritually for the battle. And then also, it is a table in the presence of our enemies. I believe 1 Corinthians 7, 14, if you look that up, talking about there's a consecration, I believe that in some ways, what represents Jesus' body and blood goes down into our body and blood, and it's like the two becoming one. There's a union with Christ. And finally, entering the Holy of Holies by the blood of the Lamb, okay? Our bodies washed with pure water, but we enter by the blood. So like tonight, for example, there's always such an emphasis on the blood of Jesus here. Usually we take communion early on in the service. But it's by the blood of Jesus that gives us access into the glory. And so if you'll begin to reverence the blood in your home and your life, and you begin to reverence the communion table, I believe it will really consecrate your life unto God. And not only that, but Jesus said that there's, li there's life. In him is life. Think about this. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, there will be, and he talks about life. I wonder how much the blood of Jesus as we take communion, that it's like God's life is surging through us. There's a lady named Fran. Do you remember her? I think you and she was 90-something years old, and she was at this church down the way here, at Living Word, and I met her, and I was talking about these things, and she comes up to me. Now, keep in mind, she was 90-something. Do you remember what she said? Like 93, 4, 5. I mean, she's 90-something years old. How many knows that's old, okay? And she comes up to me, and she's like, hey, Pastor Scott, I was going to tell you I really enjoyed your sermon because I was preaching something like this. And she said, for years, God put on my heart to take communion every day. And she said, I really believe that that's why I'm like I am. She said, I'm in my right mind. I drove my car here tonight. And she said, I'm worshiping the Lord. And, and I mean, she, she looked like she's more like in her 60s or 70s. The life of God surging through her every day. And then also the power of the anointing with oil. And we're going to go through here in a moment, anoint with oil, and we're going to pray together. But there is a deep priestly cleansing. Remember, how did God consecrate the priest? Water immersion, the blood applied, and they were anointed with oil. The anointing with oil will consecrate you as a temple, but also the anointing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the anointing is an impartation to overcome, okay? And so tonight as we anoint with oil, also the Bible shows us in James chapter 5, that we anoint with oil and the prayer of faith will bring healing to the sick. So there's so much. I remember reading where Jesus sent out people to minister on his behalf. And some of them in the book of Mark took anointing oil with them. And it says that they would anoint the sick and they'd be healed and demons would leave people as they anointed them. So it's actually very powerful. So I believe that the anointing with oil and the prayer of faith will break through, it will clear out the enemy's influence like it's going to tonight, and it will bring an impartation of the Holy Spirit in your life as we pray and believe. But there's something about anointing with oil. How many knows what I'm talking about? It's a powerful thing. All right, then finally, water immersion. And sadly, in America, not only the communion table, there's many places you talk about anointing with oil, and they would not even know what you're talking about because it's something that's never done and they have no idea about it. But then you look at what the communion table and water immersion, but unfortunately, they're so 
religious and ritualized so much that they really have no power to them. In fact, in most places, water immersion is simply something that people come, they take pictures. It's just this quick little thing. There's nothing to it. But let me tell you something. Water immersion is supposed to be a powerful thing before God. And as we've water immersed people, I have seen people that have been delivered from demonic things. I have seen people that have been healed of things. I've seen people so overcome with the presence of God that we had to help them up in the water because they couldn't move. God wants to get in these water immersions that they're powerful. And one of the things I really appreciate about the revival that broke out in North Georgia uh, with Todd and them is that that revival is centered around the baptismal. And he was praying earnestly for revival, and God gave him a vision of the baptismal in his church, and there was full of water, and there was a fire on the top of the water. And the Lord told him, I'm going to visit you in the water here. And so they began to have uh, water baptisms, and people were getting hit by the power. I went there. I got baptized. I got hit by the power there too. Let me tell you, he was showing me, the pastor there was showing me pictures, and he breaks out his phone. He said that there was a, a lady that had come, and he showed me this, and it was a CAT scan. He sent me the picture. I have it somewhere on my phone. But how many knows when you don't delete your photos like you should, it's going to take me a while to find it. But anyway, and he shows me this, and there's a CAT scan of this female standing like this, and there's these black tumors all throughout her body. And then she got water baptized there, hit by the power of God, goes back, and she gets the CAT scan again, and there's zero tumors. And she had stage 4 cancer. God totally healed this woman. But there are so many stories like that that I don't even know where to start. But one of them that I really like, I can't remember her name, but this young girl that was there, she had been somebody that was depressed, and she was one of those that cut herself. And so she had come, and she had gotten water baptized there. And while she's getting water immersed, she gets hit by the power. She goes out, God delivered her from some type of tormenting spirit that had been oppressing her life. Then she'd come back another time and wanted to get water baptized again. And God began to take away all the depression, all the junk in her life. And he began to heal her from so much stuff. She goes, she comes back a later time, gets water baptized again. At some point on the third or fourth one, I can't remember, she was shocked because she had had all these scars all over her arms and they had disappeared. Isn't that something? So sadly, people have made water immersion into a once-in-a-lifetime thing that's not biblical. And once again, they've ritualized it. They've kept it from people. But there is a deep consecration in the water. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible says that the people of God were baptized into Moses through the Red Sea. But remember, that same water that baptized Israel into Moses through the Red Sea closed behind them and separated them from their past and it destroyed their enemies that were pursuing them so there is something in the power of water baptism that helps to separate you from things that you need to be separated from and so we just make it available people come frequently whenever we do this and get water immersed but i've seen people get water immersed several times and at some point, really get delivered from something and healed from something and God do a deep work. So I remember reading the scriptures. Think about Naaman the leper who was healed. What was he doing when he was healed? Water immersing. 
There's many stories in water immersion I could tell, but I remember one. There was a, a man that had had so many heart attacks and such bad health in his heart. He was at a service, and they were doing water baptism at the service. And in this particular church, they had brought in one of those big metal tubs and filled it up. And he had gone down. His legs had, were turning like a dark color because of circulation not getting to his legs. And he was walking toward the water, and he was getting prayer. And they prayed for him, and he went down in the water. They brought him back up, and he was hit by the power of God. I mean, he went back and sat in his seat. And he began to look at his legs because they were regaining color. You know, God healed him in the baptismal. So there's power in these things. I think the problem is, is that people aren't praying into them. They don't have faith about it. They've never been taught. Uh, these things are ritualized. They're kept away from God's people. And it's, it's sad because what would it be like, I think, if all of us would really believe the word of God and not put all these man-made rules about it, the power of communion will deeply affect our lives. How many can say, since you've been taking communion at church and maybe at home, that you notice that spiritually something is different? Now, I can say that for a fact. I got real busy recently, and I realized I hadn't taken communion in, in a little bit. And so I remember really taking the Lord's Supper and speaking the word of faith, you know, speaking out the scriptures. And, and I felt so different after that. There's a power in that. And then the anointing with oil. You anoint yourself with oil, anoint your home, anoint. Uh, tonight we're going to anoint those that want to be anointed with oil. But there's a power in that to consecrate you. Why is it that when Jesus came, they, they accused him of casting out demons by Satan and all that? I'm not going to get in that. But Jesus made a statement. He said, well, by, by then, by who are your people casting them out then? Remember that statement? Jesus was saying that. Why? Because the Jews had some people that were casting demons out. In fact, you see that with the seven sons of Sceva and a Jewish chief priest. But how were they doing that before Jesus came? How? I submit to you my opinion. I think that they, they were priestly, and I think that they understood if you cleanse somebody spiritually, darkness has to go. That's what I think they were doing. And these seven sons of Sceva and the Jewish chief priest implied that there was something priestly or Levitical about them. And I think that they would take people that were demonized, and I think that they would help them spiritually get cleansed before God, and then they could command darkness to leave, and it would leave. So this is what I'm saying. If we, if we understand the power of this, that we are priests unto God, and God uses the blood, he uses the oil, and he uses water immersion to deeply sanctify his priestly people. He wants to come for what? A bride without what? Sparta blemish. So there is a power. There's a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1, 2. You are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. The Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to the obedience of Jesus Christ, and sprinkle with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. So I'm going to give just a few more scriptures, and, and then we're going to pray. Zechariah 3.1. Don't you think about, there was, this was not the Joshua that Moses is a successor. The, later on in history, there was a man named Joshua who was the high priest of Israel, direct descendant of Aaron, during the second temple period. There was a man named Zerubbabel that was the um, descendant of David, that was the, the governor or whatever. But Joshua was the, the high priest, 
And when he was coming out of Babylonian captivity, they didn't have any possible way of doing the offerings at the temple when they were in Babylon. You understand? Okay. And so this is an interesting vision. Keep that in mind because in chapter 3, verse 1, Zechariah said that the Lord showed him Joshua, the high priest, in a vision. And the angel of the Lord stood next to him, and Satan was standing at the right hand to accuse Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? In other words, if I could paraphrase this, you're accusing him, but he's been in Babylon. There's no way that he could have been doing the things he needed to do there. Now, Joshua, here was the problem. Why was Satan accusing Joshua right here? Verse 3, Joshua was clothed in filthy garments standing before the angel. That's what Satan was accusing. Here's your high priest, and he's covered in filth. And the Lord says to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. How's he supposed to get clean in Babylon? The temple was not rebuilt. The offerings weren't taking place. How is he supposed? And so the Lord dealt with it. Look at this. And, he, and Joshua was dirty, and in verse 4 it says, He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, the angel said, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, See, I've taken away your iniquity. And I will clothe you with festive robes. These are the holy priestly garments. And then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban and they clothed him with the garments. And while the angel of the Lord was standing by and the angel of the Lord admonished, admonished Joshua saying, the Lord was standing by and says, this is the Lord of hosts. If you will walk in my ways and perform my service, this is going in, burning the incense, doing the offerings. If you'll do this. Then you also govern my house and also have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access among these who are standing here into my presence. You see the pattern? Joshua had to be cleansed, and then as he was clean, the Lord said to him, if you'll continue to be faithful before me, you'll have free access into my presence. Wow. How many want access into the presence of God? It's available. We're a priest unto God. Jesus has given us everything we need. We understand the power of the blood, the oil, the water. We understand the cleansing that's there. We understand that if we, we sin, we repent of it and we get cleansed. And, and if we keep ourselves pure, the Bible says we can come into the Holy of Holies. The veil's been ripped. We can come into the glory realm. And the last two things I want to mention, Hebrews 10, 22, there's a preparation going on today. You know, I think about this. I believe that these people are hearing from God there's been a revival of sorts going on in, with different groups about the communion table. And did you know also, like I said, North Georgia, there's been a revival of sorts about the water immersion. I believe that God is calling people back to these basics. I remember hearing uh, Perry Stone say this not long ago. He had been through some serious spiritual warfare, and he had been hurt and betrayed and went through all the stuff that ministers go through. And it had affected him, you know, and he, he felt that he was different and he was out there and that people were doing a water baptismal service. And the Lord spoke to him real clear and said, I need you to go back to the basics and basically told him, I need you to get down there and get in that water. And Perry said, okay, Lord, he got down there and he got in that water and he let those young people just dunk him. He said, I receive it in Jesus name. He says, he came up, he said, this roar came out of him 
He said something broke off his life and he was free from the oppression that had been coming against. Listen, man, the enemy is, he'll jump on your life and begin to use people to betray you and hurt you and all these word curses and all this junk. And it can be oppressive. But how many knows that God makes a way for us to get free? But isn't it interesting, the same pattern, the blood, the oil, the water. God used the immersion to break that free off of him. And then Hebrews 10.22, as I already uh, read this earlier, but it says, let us draw near with a sincere heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and what our bodies washed with pure water. So the Lord's coming with, for a bride without spot or blemish. I want you to think about before Esther could go before the king, remember she had to go through beauty treatments and she was being anointed. Remember that? She's being water immersed. There's something about that. There's, there's something prophetic in that. And then finally, river of life. <clears throat> we've been ankle deep. We've been knee deep. We've been waist deep. But how many want to go in a river over our heads? Ezekiel 47, 1 through 9 says, and I love this river. It says, then he brought me back to the door of the house. And behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east. This is the temple, the millennial temple. For the house faced east. And the water was flowing down under the right side of the house from the south of the altar. He brought me out by the north gate and led me around the outside of the gate. By the way, the face is east. And behold, water was trickling from the south side. And when the man went out toward the east with a line, he measured out a thousand cubits and led me through the water. And the water reached to my ankles. And again, he measured a thousand more cubits and the water reached to my knees. And then a thousand more and it went to my loins, to my waist. And then he measured a thousand more and it was a river I had to swim in. It was over the head. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me back to the bank of the river. And when I returned, behold, the bank of the river, there were many trees on each side. And he said to me, These waters go out to the eastern region down the Arabah. I want to stop there. But everywhere the river flows, there's life. And it was flowing from the throne of God. Where Jesus sat in that millennial temple, there's a river. Did you know that whenever we get into the millennial reign of Christ, there's going to be a millennial temple? Did you all know that? It's going to be a little bit different than what we read about under Solomon's time. In the Holy of Holies, instead of there being the ark, Jesus' throne is going to be there. And he's going to be sitting on that throne. But from that throne is going to flow out to the right-hand side of Jesus down. There's going to be a river that goes out the outer court. So here's the the altar burnt offerings, okay? It's going to flow to the right of it, and there's not going to be the need any longer for the laver because there's going to be the river that flows from Jesus' throne. Isn't that awesome? And so tonight, God's been in the communion table. We're about to anoint you with oil, and the power of God's going to hit you. But listen, don't jump back out of this. Soak for a little bit. We're not in a hurry. I'm here in a big hurry tonight. You just got somewhere you got to be. Okay, well, but I'm not in a hurry. As we go through and anoint everybody with oil, I'm going to pray for you, and the power of God is going to hit some of you. God's going to set you free from maybe some things. God's going to heal people. But you're, some of you are going to be out under the power. Listen, just soak in that for a while. Let God saturate you real good with his presence. I have to go a little bit earlier to get where I need to be to get ready for the water immersion. But just soak in this for a little bit and let me get things ready there. And when y'all show up, listen, I'm going to be able to have time to pray over the water and get things ready. And then we're going to water baptize people and the power of God's going to hit you there.
okay? And God's going to finish. So isn't it powerful? Just as priest unto God tonight, we've reverenced the blood of Jesus with communion. We're going to anoint you with oil. And those that want to come are going to get water immersed. And I guarantee you the same as many of you have already experienced and you've already told me before, when you wake up tomorrow, you're going to feel different. How many have had that? I have felt that too. You feel like the Lord just did a deep cleansing in your life. It's awesome. And God's getting us ready for this powerful conference. And let me say this too. I always say this when we do our special illustrated sermon of the Lord's Last Supper. We do our Passover meal. You know, when, when God's people came to Jerusalem at Passover, they all water immersed. Remember that? They self-immersed. And then during the Passover meal, remember the hands are washed. But Jesus washed their feet as well. And he, he referenced in that, that you'll have no part in me unless you let me do this. There was some type of a spiritual cleansing. It wasn't just being a humble servant, but there was some type of a spiritual cleansing. And Peter said, well, Lord, if that's the case, then not just my feet, but the rest of me too. You know what was happening there? When the people of God went to Jerusalem, all those that were there, they had already self-immersed in the mikvah pools that they have there, okay? But then at the Passover meal, their hands were washed, and now Jesus was washing their feet. You know why? Because for them to go into the day of Pentecost and go deep in the presence of God and be in the holy of holies, if you will, Jesus was spiritually getting them ready for that. At Passover, it wasn't just any normal Passover meal. He said, in this Passover meal, I'm going to give you the communion table now. This third cup is now the cup of my blood that was shed for you, the blood of the new covenant and this bread. And Jesus was consecrating them by the blood of the lamb that was to be shed through him. And then he was water, cleansing them with water. And then they were going to be anointed with oil, so to speak, by the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Does this make sense? Isn't this powerful? And so we're about to go deeper in the presence of God. So how many want prayer tonight?